Spring Village Church. Happy Hurricane Sunday to you and yours. We got any first timers, first time hurricaners? Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, you know, Nathan and Lauren Ng showed up this morning, their baby, their newborn baby, six days old, okay? First hurricane for the baby as well, uh, I believe, I believe. We uh, are um, good to, we're excited to be in our passage this morning and to be together. And uh, yeah, I think it could get a little crazy this afternoon, but we're, we're peaceful here this morning and things are good. Uh, we are gonna be monitoring what's going on in Mexico and uh, see if um, some of you guys know we support um, a missionary down there named Mark and our VBS kids raised so much money for them. And so we will be uh, checking in with him this afternoon and seeing if there's anything we can do for them down there. And if there's people that wanna respond this week, maybe we end up taking some trucks down. So we'll see. But for us, it's looking all right. And we get to open up God's word this morning. We put life jackets under all your seats. Make sure you put on yours before assisting any others. And we're going to go. We've been spending our summer in a series called Prayers of the Bible. This morning, we get to see Paul's prayer in the Ephesians, as you just heard. And our passage this morning is going to affirm this incredible reality that God wants his people to experience the fullness of himself. This means that God doesn't just want us to know about the great story of Jesus and our redemption, but he wants us to truly know his power and his wisdom, to be filled with it, to experience that in our moments, in our days. And so we look at this passage together. I want to start just in verse 14. You can read it with me. It'll be up on the screen as well. Paul says, for this reason... I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And so Paul spent a few chapters and so many words detailing the work of God. And he gets to this place, he says, for this reason I bow my knees. Now you got to picture Paul bowing his knees. We know at the time he's in Rome, so maybe he's got like a nice meadow, maybe a vineyard, maybe some sunrise um, yoga, something. But what we know of the story is that this is written in A.D. 62. Paul, at this time in Rome, he's not a free man at all. He's in confinement. He's likely going to be killed in less than two years. And so the prayer is understood in its context, that Paul prays these words, that they would receive power and wisdom and strength. But if we saw Paul on his knees in this moment, we wouldn't um, blame him if he was praying mostly just for himself in his own circumstances. And the context here, I think, really brings the passage to life. Because Paul is saying, just in case you don't believe me that God can do this for you, don't forget that I'm writing as a man who's been arrested, who's been taken from Jerusalem to Rome, a man who will be on trial, and a man who is fairly certain that I will face a brutal death very soon. And so Ephesians chapter 3 is not some sort of dead tree yelling at a bunch of other dead trees, telling them that they can be fruitful trees. Ephesians chapter 3 is this man, Paul, a fruitful, blooming, and deep-rooted tree who's telling us and praying for God's people in Ephesus, you can be like this because the same God who took Paul, a dead tree, and made him alive and strengthened his roots and gave him much fruit is the same God who lives in us. Right, Village Church? And so that's the context here. And now we see what Paul prays. Look at verse 16. He says that according to the riches of his glory, 
he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. What's the first thing that Paul prays for God's people in Ephesus? That they would be strengthened in power. Strengthened with the power of God. And the way this happens is through the spirit of God, it says, in our inner being. When we read a passage like that, that God really truly pours out strength and power on his people. We say, I, I want that. I want to have something like that, what Paul has. Maybe you even read a passage like this. It's about the power of God indwelling you, and maybe it makes you feel like, I, I don't know if I experience this as much as I should. I think most Christians could sit around in a circle and name or tell some story about some Christian that they know in life who was just filled with the Spirit and filled with the power of God, and it was so clear and so obvious in their life. And many of you were influenced by somebody who showed you the power of Jesus living in a life of a simple person. And you look at your own life, and maybe you feel a sense of, I don't, I don't know for sure if God has really done this in me. If, if, if I'm walking through the simple days of my life and feeling like I'm empowered and I have the strength of the Holy Spirit. I think if we're honest, a lot of our days feel like just like a day, like a day to get through. And do all the things that we need to do and get up for the next day. We don't feel filled with power like Paul describes. And maybe it's sometimes we read passages like this and it feels like it's for a particular people who have a particular calling. Last week, my family flew up to Idaho to visit some friends and family. And obviously there's a lot of tension whenever a California person says that they visit one of the promised lands. <clears throat> the places where the lands are flowing with milk and honey and the houses are cheap and there's a lot more freedom than here, right? Places like Texas, Idaho, North Korea, and, <laughs> and Tennessee. Those are probably the big four. So I just gotta say really quick before I tell you this, we're not moving, we're not moving there, but we did take a photo in front of a random house that was being built just to scare some of our friends. <clears throat> So while we were there, my sister suggested that we should take the kids, the cousins, to go do some berry picking on a farm. And obviously, that sounded incredibly boring to me. Um, I buy my berries with a credit card. That's how I pick them. That's how I gather them, right? <laughs> but by the time I left that place, I was a changed man. That place transformed me, and it consumed me. And not because I liked it. There's nothing about it that I liked. but. I just love cheap things, I love cheap berries. And it was incredibly inexpensive. And when I got home, it consumed me to the point that I was like, children, we need to unpack the suitcases and you need to leave dad alone while I research how to become a berry farmer in Irvine. So I stayed up really, really late on Google I was searching, can I grow my own berries without having any land or making my landlord very angry? How much space do I need? What's the ROI on this whole thing? Factoring in, of course, the future inflation of berries because 
when I was a kid, they would say money doesn't grow on trees, and that's just becoming like less and less true now because we can barely afford berries, right? They're so expensive, and my kids love them, and I love them. And, and after a while of searching, I was just like this moment where it was like, this is not going to happen for us, you know? And I was kind of like defeated a little bit because even in the silliness, it was like there is still that feeling of like, I'm just a dad trying to like, you know, like do fun things for my kids. And like life is just like getting more and more unattainable. It's like everything just feels kind of overwhelming, even something as small and tiny as like a, a berry that grows on a tree in places in abundance, apparently. And so eventually my heartbeat returned to normal and I, f I just felt this like wave of peace and contentment that like came over me. And it was like this moment of having to like go back and just allow the realities of, of the spirit and what God is teaching me and where God is leading me to like rush back through my mind and like recenter myself and, and say like, man, I love this place. Like I love this church. I love where I live. I get to build a church community with all of you people, regardless of all these things that I can't control. And something as simple and small, I mean, think about the, Jesus talks about the mustard seed and I'm telling stories about berries. And so you end up saying to yourself, there's two extreme scenarios here. The one scenario is, you know, the price of berries just gets so out of hand and I never eat another berry the rest of my life. The second scenario is, I become a berry farm feudal lord who sits on a throne in a castle full of fruit. And just like everything that we worry about and strategize, you figure your life is probably gonna land somewhere between those two scenarios. I think the question though is, do you have the faith to say with sincerity to God, I'm good either way though, you know? To say either way, God holds me in his hands, right? You go look back in the Old Testament, you see, this is the message of Job, right? That he cries out to God. And, and so frustrating to Satan. I love that, right? Because Job says, I came into this world with nothing. And yeah, I mean, I accumulated a lot of things. But if I leave with nothing, then so be it. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what he says. This is the message of Paul in Philippians. He says, I've experienced having plenty. I've experienced having nothing. And I'm good either way. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And so you say, David, this berry farm story is by far the worst story you've ever told. I say, first of all, I understand that. <clears throat> Give me a second. Paul says, I pray you're filled with power and strength in the spirit. We so easily picture this power as the strength to kick down doors and, and the strength to, to pick up a sword and there's gonna be seasons perhaps where that's exactly what you need power and strength for, but more likely the power and strength of God is what you need to take every scenario in your mind and everything that you're hoping for and everything that you're worrying about and to simply bring it before the Lord and say, God, if this is how things go, I'm good with that, I trust you. Does that make sense? God is filling us with strength and power to fight all the battles 
that are going on in our hearts day after day. It's a strength for contentment in circumstances. It's the power to trust God as we walk through uncertainty and frustration. This is the power and presence of God. It doesn't just equip people who are facing death on mission fields. It, it, it equips people who are facing the slow and steady difficulties of life. I don't need to be Samson. I need to tear down walls and, and kill lions to prove to myself that the Holy Spirit lives in me. The power of God is the power to take action when it's needed. It's also the power to fall back in trust. The power of God is the Christian grandmother who prays fervently for her grandkids day after day. The power of God is the young mom and dad who are exhausted trying to train their children in righteousness day after day with every temptation to be grumbling and complaining in a world that's made it very cool and trendy to complain about your kids. The power of God says you have strength for this to lay yourself down another day, right? The power of God is the Christian who gives of their tithes and offerings and supports mi missionaries and ministries faithfully and generously, even when money is tight and it feels scary on paper simply because God said give generously, so we do it. And so we don't confuse worldly strength with godly strength or worldly power with godly power. Acts chapter one, verse eight, Jesus is about to depart. He says one last thing. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And out of this moment, the final words of Jesus on earth, the early church is born and, and spreads. I made this slide for us. So the early church did not conquer their way to fruitfulness. They, they prayed their way to fruitfulness and they preached their way to fruitfulness when they trusted their way and they persevered their way to fruitfulness. And so when we say Village Church, we could be a powerful, spirit-filled church. We should see that as, this can look a thousand different beautiful ways in all of your lives. A thousand different beautiful ways of you trusting and following and making bold decisions for Christ. That is God's power at work in us, amen? Yeah. Let's keep going. I'm going to add in the rest of his prayer here. I'm going to look at it all together. Verse 16 again. He says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. This is God fills us with power out of the riches of his glory. We see a word like riches here, and it's like, oh, here we go. People are like, I like that word riches. Sounds good. Riches of his glory, not sure what that is. Let's focus on riches. So many churches in America where every sermon is about 
unlocking the riches of God or the key to the riches of God in your life or unlocking God's favor or five ways to unleash God's blessings on your life. <laughs> and then every cool church conference or retreat is called like overflow or outpouring or fire and flood or Hurricane Hillary. Right? So many sermons, they turn to the same verses like this and these pages get all the wear and tear in the Bibles, right? There's a lot of other verses that are crisp right off the factory line. I was studying this week and just pouring over this passage, my mind kept coming back to this image of a cargo ship. Also got this new AI software that makes images of cargo ships. But the idea is that so many times we want God to just fill up the cargo ship full of blessings and just send us on our way, right? Just top me off. That's why I come on Sundays, top me off, give me the keys. We want certain stuff, we want certain outcomes, we want certain relationships to work out certain ways. Just load it up and send me on my way. And this is not what we see in Paul's prayer. Paul says, I'm praying for you for something far greater, verse 16, for the power of God. And now verse 18, for the knowledge or the wisdom of God. And all of this, we believe, leads us to the end of verse 19, to be filled with the fullness of God. So Paul prays for his people. He could pray anything for these people. He prays for the power of God, the wisdom of God, the fullness of God. In verse 16, all of this comes from where? From the riches of his glory. This is a reality that flows throughout Scripture, that God has storehouses, that God owns the storehouses. These are not just storehouses of wealth, but of power. They're not just storehouses of comforts, but of wisdom. They're not just storehouses full of things that will help us get through life with more happiness and more comfort, but they're storehouses full of what we need to get through life with holiness, even in the midst of suffering. And so the answer from Paul, as always, is Christ in us, right? The Spirit of God living in us, giving us supernatural wisdom and power for every moment that we face. Because without this, we're just floating on the ocean, right? We all want a, a, a cargo ship full of everything that we desire. But we don't see how desperate we are for the rudder of the wisdom of God. We want a cargo ship full of all of our comforts and all of our scenarios to work out the way we planned. We don't see how desperate we are for the power, the engine of God's power and presence. And God is like, oh, you're so lucky that I know what's best for you. You would be so lost if you had everything that you thought you wanted. Sometimes I think a statement is like offensive to our pride, and that's how I know it should go on a slide. I'm gonna start using that as my criteria. If it hurts the pride, it gets a slide. <laughs> so here it is, again. We would be so lost if we had everything we think we want. Do you believe that? We would be so lost if we were drowning in resources and then in our arrogance, we would just begin to love ourselves and our autonomy and our abilities. 
a cargo ship with no rudder, no engine. It's like building storage units in an ocean. It's just worthless. It's going nowhere. It's helping nobody. In Village Church, we know where storage units belong. They belong here, surrounding our building. Right? <laughs> just lifeless and stale. Your life without the wisdom and power of God is just a bunch of stuff that you can accumulate, but with no vision, no wisdom, no direction, no power. You're just floating on the open ocean. All you can do is sink. But with the power and wisdom of God, God takes everything about you, everything you love about yourself, everything you wish you could change, all of your strengths and weaknesses, and he gives you the power and wisdom and fullness to live a life that is worthy of all the riches of his glory. That's pretty cool. We're almost wrapping up. I want to give you a chance to close your eyes for a second. We just close your eyes and think for a moment. <laughs> So whatever jumbled mess of a person that you are, like me, all the things you wish you could change, maybe it's things you wish were different about yourself or your circumstances, finance, career, your family and friendships, just think about that. My question for you and for myself is, do you believe that in God's perfect plan, that you're not just floating around on the sea, carrying all of these circumstances and just left to figure it out on your own? Do you believe the truth that God is taking all of who you are He's sanctifying you day by day. He's giving you his power and his wisdom to go forward in these things with joy and contentment and fruitfulness. I'll give you a moment to just pray and just tell God that you trust him with your life, and then we'll continue. read this prayer again, verse 16. Paul says, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul's praying not for what we want, but for what we need. He knows we need the engine. He knows we need the rudder. We don't just need full closets and full bank accounts and full pantries and full vineyards. We need the power of God and the wisdom of God. You say, yeah, it sounds good, David, but I also need something to just work out in my life. I'm stuck. 
feel like I need my situations to change, I need things to be different, or I'm gonna need to make a change, I'm gonna need to make a move. And of course, you look down the line and there's so many things on the horizon that we can see and be concerned about and be worried about or planning for. But ultimately what we need for today and what we need in order to take just the next step of faith is simply the wisdom and power of God. In verse 18, it says, for you to understand the strength, the, the strength to comprehend the breadth and depth and width and height of the love of God. That's to say that God's love is incomprehensibly all-encompassing. <laughs> and out of that love is how we go forth. We had a new neighbor move in recently, and I found out he works for Kia. And so naturally, my first thing I said was, ah, oh, that's a bummer, I already have a Kia. <laughs> and that's what we do, right? Like our minds just immediately prioritize ourselves. <laughs> We're quick to assemble the pieces to serve ourselves. So my wife's like, you know, you can just be a good neighbor, you know? <laughs> and I said, I get that. I just kind of wish he worked for like Chipotle or something more delicious, you know? <clears throat> Maybe he works for Wells Fargo, get some sort of friends and family discount, free money. I don't know how that works. How crazy is it that we do this with God, right? Like God's just like another neighbor on the block. You know, we, we kind of go to God. We find out what he's got to offer us. You're taking your notes. You're like, okay, let's go over that again. You said you have unlimited power, heavenly storehouses of blessing, eternal perfect wisdom, unfathomable love. And we say, thank you. I, I, I wrote all that down. Thank you so much for your time. Um, let me get back to you. I'm gonna need to think through kind of like what would be best for me, what I need from you, but I, I got some good notes here. I'll get back to you, right? We think we know exactly what we want from God. We approach God so often as if we are completed masterpieces who just lack a few additional resources. We don't see that everything in our lives is meant to flow out of the power and wisdom of God. God is to be our lifeblood. We don't just go to God like another resource that moved in on the block. And so Village Church, what would it look like if you came to God and said, God, I want what you want? What would it look like for our church to be a church that says, God, we want what you want? Say, I want more power and wisdom of the Spirit to do whatever you think is best. And honestly, God, there's so many things I'm worried about. There's so many things I'm tempted to think, I just need more money from you, or I need you to fix this situation. But more than anything, God, I just need you. What an incredible church that would be. What an incredible people we could be. This is good stuff, yeah? It's a good passage. <laughs> we need this. Lastly, Paul uses this word dwell in verse 17. In the Greek, you could translate this literally to say that God would take up residence in our heart. It says God dwells in our hearts, that God would take up residence in our hearts. The power and wisdom of God is available because of a price that was paid. 
the death of Jesus on a cross made a way for us to be in relationship again with God. And if you're not a Christian, that's like the beautiful story of Jesus, right? And you're invited into this. And if you are a Christian, what a cool picture of the gospel here. Even in this prayer of Paul, God dwells with us. Why? Because, because he paid the price to reconcile us. And so we don't just gather on Sundays to like intellectually comprehend God better. We gather to worship a God who has taken up residence in our hearts. And we get to cry out to God in our prayers, God, would you fill us even more? Would you take residence in this place and in our church day by day? Amen? I talked about my desire to be a, a berry farm feudal lord. First, I just want to apologize for that. <laughs> We had a staff meeting last Sunday. It was a big one. It wasn't very fun. A lot of PDFs. Uh, but that was my fault. Just a lot of, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. We've got a lot of things coming up. Pastor Matt and I, we like crazy ideas. And so one of the things we did was we challenged the staff to come up with some crazy ideas, to dream up some big things for God's kingdom this year, and to share that with us. And I had this crazy idea recently of, you know, like we love our first Sunday, we love doing lunch, and, and um, there's a lot of people in the church that like actually do like grow their own food and stuff. And I was always been thinking like how, what a beautiful picture it would be if, you know, we had Sundays where people were like, hey, I, I had a bunch of these extra avocados, or I had a bunch of these things, and just like filling this parking lot with like our own ways that we just care for each other, maybe people who are more in need than others, and I know obviously you're thinking, yo, this guy's just trying to get our berries. <laughs> I get that. But I think more than anything is like, what I want to say is that the, the power and the wisdom of God is going to shape our lives. He will dwell in us. He will dwell in this church. And so that doesn't just matter for today. It matters for the future and how we look to the future. And I believe that the, the, the wisdom and the power of God is going to shape our decision-making so that when people give all sorts of reasons to be fearful about the future, I hope that we can say, yeah, and I can't wait to see what sort of wisdom God gives us for those hard days. Amen? When people give us all sorts of reasons to be afraid for the future, I hope that we say, I can't wait to see what sort of power and strength God gives us for those days. He's going to show us what to do. He's going to equip us with what to do. I can't wait to see what kind of ideas God gives to this church if we face hard days ahead. I can't wait to see the sort of power that God pours out on you when you face hard days ahead because God is not afraid of the future, and so why should we be, right? Paul prays this to a church who needs it. He prays it as a man who himself needs it, who faces his own death. God is not worried about running out of power or wisdom, so why should we be? We're united in Christ. Amen, Village Church? Some good news for us. God's people are filled with power and wisdom beyond our circumstances so we can walk with hope into the future. Phyllis Church, we have so much to be 
excited for as God's people. Let's pray. God, you fill us with all we need. God, we're only, uh, we only face one day at a time, and yet the weight of so many days to come can feel heavy. And God, we pray that we'd be a people who believe deeply that you are who you say you are. You do what you say you do. There's nothing that we could ever need that you will not supply according to your perfect will. And so we trust you for that. We believe, God, we see great days of trusting and following you in whatever may come. I ask, God, that you'd fill this church with wisdom by your spirit. I ask, God, that you'd fill this church with power by your spirit. We could never exhaust you of these things. You'll never run dry. And so may we be a church that prays like Paul, prays and asks for more of these things because you're good to give it. And it's exactly what you want for us. So we ask for these things, God, and we worship you now. In Jesus' name, amen.